Hello, welcome to Not The BBC. So the following is a conversation I really enjoyed. I spoke with Alex Svetsky. Alex is the founder of Amber app, which is an app which makes it very easy to invest in Bitcoin on a consistent basis. But Alex is also a writer and he's written tons of stuff on money, its impact on society historically, about where Bitcoin fits into the puzzle and about what a future with Bitcoin might look like. The reason that I brought him on is that I think you'll find him really interesting because he's not some sort of mindless cryptomaniac. He's, he's very skeptical about crypto in general and about blockchain in general. And he's really focused in on the technology that he thinks can deliver on a lot of these challenges, which is Bitcoin. He doesn't want to get distracted with all this other noise. And so he's not your, you know, he's not your typical thinker. And he's got some really well-founded positions on, on these subjects. So we get into a lot of that. We get into his take on why blockchain and crypto and all the noise around there is actually the status quo attack. He thinks it's sort of trying to suck up all this actually potentially very p profound energy into something that's just, you know, mindless speculation. So we talk, we talk about that. We also get into decentralization, when and where it's relevant. And I also challenge him on some of the potential futures around Bitcoin, if it does succeed, about whether it will lead to just some more individualism and fragmentation, or whether you can actually build cohesive societies and communities around it. So I really enjoy the conversation, and I, you know, I think you will do too. So, by all means, I reckon we just listen to it. Hello, Alex. Welcome to Not the BBC. Hey, Seb. Thanks for, thanks for having me on, man. Looking forward to this. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to having you on. As I was saying beforehand, you've really influenced my, my thinking. You've been a very influential figure in my sort of quite nascent Bitcoin crypto journey. So I'm really excited to, to have you on. Yeah, and in I guess in terms of the, the nature of the discussion, you know, if, if you're awake to, to what's going on at the moment, I think most people are circling in on what the nature of the beast is. Right, the, the power, the, the central banking, international finance, the way that that is a transfer of wealth, the way that that is a critical point of leverage in society that really kind of you know drains people's wealth and and kind of owns the political process and whatnot. You know, people are pretty you know pretty awake to that, and so naturally, Bitcoin comes up as and and the crypto space comes up as a potential solution. So this is sort of the, the starting point for I think a lot of pe people like me and my audience for for why we come into the subject, but there are some, um, so yeah. And I think we, we, you know, we're aware of that and people kind of have a broad idea about the outline of what Bitcoin delivers on in terms of sound money. And it has a lot of superficially, you know, it has a lot of the, the right characteristics, but I guess, can you sort of talk, you know, you're very power, you know, powerful and passionate advocate, I guess, can you talk a little bit about what's so special about Bitcoin to your mind yeah. and what makes it so powerful? Yeah, let's um let let's think about sort of first principle. So, <clears throat> when you, when you think about what society is, you know, it's it's a series of human beings who you know who are performing some form of work, um, and then you know exchanging that work, and you know some of that work produces value, some of it doesn't, etc. And we're we're doing stuff. So so effectively, like if you go down to first principles, is you know you have these these things in the universe that are unchangeable, you know, there's, there's a fixed amount of energy, there's a fixed amount of time, you know, you can't produce or create more of them. You know, you have, so, so these are what's called a priori truths, you know, that they don't need proof, you know, for you to, uh, you know, prove that, you, you know, you can't make more time, right? T time is this constant, you know, the E equals MC squared showed us that there's a constant between, you know, mass and energy um, and the speed of light. You know, we've got uh, another a priori truth is that, 
you know, we're all born under different circumstances and the natural resources of the world are spread uneven. You know, you can't fucking change that, you know, unless we go and build a world from scratch, which is, you know, stupidity. So, so you know, we, we, we've got these constraints. And then what we do as human beings is we take, uh, you know, the limited amount of time we have, you know, the, the finite amount of energy and, you know, the, the scattered finite amount of resources. And we transform that into higher degrees of what I call order, right? So it's like, mm. you know, human beings, like if we use a Jordan Peterson-esque type framing here is, you know, we are creatures that transform chaos into order. And, mm. you know, and the goal is to continue creating more order. And, and in the order, we find some level of value. Now, that order creates a different form of chaos, which we, you know, we then transform into a higher version of order. And, and that's what we do. So, so when you look at all of society, all of existence, when you look at the world, like it fundamentally uh, is economic in nature. Everything is like, and when I say economic, I don't mean the bullshit that they teach you at fucking university these days, which is all oh, the CPI or what that central bankers want you to believe in. Economic means the allocation of scarce natural resources, time and energy. That, that's fundamentally what it is. And all behavior, all decision making, all action uh, occurs through those lenses. So, so if we sort of start with that, what we realize is that, you know, human beings or any, I believe any intelligent species in order to uh, have complexity uh, within the society or complexity within, you know, their existence, there must be a mechanism or a means via which that action, that input can be measured. Mm. And that technology is known as money. Mm. So, so money has existed from the beginning of time and it will exist forever. And it is the lever that it is the lever that measures everything and it, it is the lever against which we measure everything, right? So, so what, what we've done is, you know, as human beings, and this is by necessity, we've, we've attempted to find different objects over the millennia that can represent this meta idea of money, you know? So, so people confuse the object that we use as money as money, which is not correct. You know, like yeah. I, at some point we had shells, we had sea salt, we had, we had all sorts of different shit, right? But you know, those things didn't perform the function of money very well because they didn't have all the attributes, blah, blah, blah. You know, we, we got close with gold, but, you know, the problem that we are sort of suffering from these days is that, you know, gold is a physical object. Um, you know, whilst it has really good attributes um, for money, it, you know, is prone to being concentrated in particular areas. And that is a necessity for efficiency, right? You know, if you want more complexity inside, you need a more efficient money. It needs to be uh, more divisible, more portable, et cetera. And gold itself is not very divisible and portable. So by necessity, we evolved into, you know, promissory notes, which then evolved into like straight up fiat money, which is, you know, this idea that, hey, we can do it by decree. Now, th this is where things get interesting is when, you know, money, I guess, loses, uh, some sort of root or foundation in physical reality, you know, whether that be, a, you know, a resource that is scarce or finite or mm. whether that be what Bitcoin does is it, it actually roots the economic unit and the monetary network into energy, which is unforgeable. Like you can't, you can't fucking fake that. Right. So, so it's even, it's, it's superior in gold, superior to gold in that sense. Um, when you, when you remove that tether, what you end up doing is, you know, the money no longer represents what it's supposed to represent, which is time, energy, you know, and scarce resources. And, and you get all sorts of chaos. First, you get like, you know, the misallocated use of resources. 
prices fuck up. Um, you know, people don't know what things are actually worth. So, so, so like the, the, you know, if money is this kind of information network, you know, uh, we are using like the, the conductor that we have at the moment is really poor because, you know, it's, it's not moving signals around really well, you know, I've yeah, so Bitcoin, the, the, the information superconductor, but, Gone for a sec. Yeah, no. So there's there's no foundation point, and so then what you get in a situation where you don't have any clear where you don't have any clear anchors that the groups that are more organised, the groups that are more powerful, the groups that are positioned correctly in society, they can really make the most of that. And you're getting at something which is the most fundamental aspect of, I guess, of society, right? I, there's a really good analogy, which is the notion of of money being memory. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. sort of you know mm-hmm. everything you know everything that people have done historically all your time, all the, all the allocation, all the knowledge that you've built up, the way that you've applied that, if that all kind of comes to nothing, then there's no, there's no reciprocity. There's no, like none of the foundations that make societies work can really hold up. So, and yeah, naturally certain people Absolutely. who are positioned in the right place, they're, they're in a great position to, to reap all the rewards from all the chaos. Yeah, it's it's so, so so with with that foundation, like, and I always, you know, when I try and explain Bitcoin to people, I start with that, you know, just really trying to get them to understand why why money is the ultimate lever, because, you know, the the situation that ends up happening when you untether money to to reality is that, as you said, whoever has then the control of the money has the control of all resources, all energy, all time, and all human action, um, and and that is fundamentally what is happening in the world today you and i are playing a game where we trade our scarce precious time and energy but if you're close enough to the monetary spigot if you're close enough to where the money is issued you don't have to add value you don't have to trade time and energy you can create money out of fucking thin air now what that does in a closed system and this is where it gets really dangerous is not it's not just one party enriching themselves but it's a one party enriching themselves at the expense of another Mm. And that's where it starts to really get fucked up. And, and, and this is where, like, you know, when you look at lockdowns or the moronic, like, you know, mask mandates or that, all this crap can only exist when uh, society is not tethered to an economic reality, is that when there's no consequences to making bad decisions. Like, mm-hmm. on a Bitcoin standard, if you lock down a fucking city, people will starve because the city operator cannot print money to artificially keep themselves in business, right? So if you look at a government as an operator of a jurisdiction, they are fraudulently keeping themselves in business yeah. and socializing the bad, socializing the cost of the bad decisions of lockdowns onto all of us idiots. Yeah. And we're paying them in taxes and we're getting robbed through inflation. So, so we're keeping that you know, broken edifice going. It's a bankrupt institution, but it only keeps itself in business by creating money out of thin air whereas on a bitcoin standard they can't do that so they'll go broke very quickly and then the people riot after five or six days and you wouldn't have a fucking lockdown so it's like all of it stems from that is this fraudulent capacity or fraudulent ability as an institution to keep yourself in power and in business because the resource through which everything else is measured you're creating out of there it is such a fucked up game yeah um no, 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 absolutely. You put that really well. And in terms of, and that's, it's behind, it's behind so much of what's going on now. And in terms of, 
in terms of Bitcoin and, you know, that's sort of a good analysis of sort of the problem that it comes to solve. In terms of Bitcoin's track record, because I don't think a lot of people kind of appreciate that so much. Can you kind of talk a little bit about within the context of that problem, within the context of a technological solution for money? Sort of what, yep. I guess, what are the sort of stripes that, you know, Bitcoin's earned over the, over the last decade? Because I, I don't think a lot of yeah. people are fully aware of, of kind of how robust it's proven to be. Yeah, like there, there was a time to kill Bitcoin and that was like, you know, six, seven years ago. Like, you know, Bitcoin was this, you know, concept that, I mean, it originated back in the 70s, technically speaking, you know, is this idea of, the, you know, the Tim, Tim May and the cypherpunks and, you know, this sort of early idea that, hey, we need to have, if, if we want freedom as, you know, individuals in a society, we need a means via which we can have private communications and we need a money that is not run by someone. And, you know, the, the Bitcoin dream was always the harder one to solve because it, you know, required like it's, it's money is, is honestly the foundational communication medium. There is nothing more important, like, you know, language, all of that sort of stuff is abstracted up here. You know, many years ago, I thought that language was the underlying substrate, but it's actually not. It's, it's human action is the underlying substrate of all of existence. And, and, you know, so, so money is a difficult thing to, to, to figure out how to rip it out of uh, the hands of the state. And there was many attempts, you know, particularly in the nineties and the early two thousands of people trying to produce, you know, a money that was, you know, non-state controlled, but they all got shut down. They all broke, you know, they, they, they couldn't solve, you know, a number of critical problems. Like, you know, how do you create something that is decentralized that still achieves consensus? Like, how do you do that? And, and Satoshi, whoever it, they were, whatever, you know, kind of worked this out, put the puzzle together. Um, you know, with proof of work, rooted it into the second law of thermodynamics, which is the fundamental law of the universe. Um, and, you know, allowed it to sort of spread into uh, the world w without some decree, right? It wasn't a decree. It was like, so, so fiat means by decree, right? Mm. You know, it, it, it was issued organically into the world and it was picked up by, you know, whether it was supporters on ACES or whatever, and it was started to be used. And then, you know, like, he disappeared and then what i think was one of the most important things about bitcoin which you know was its first real stripe was its use in um in silk road you know it showed that it was something that could be used and the big boys couldn't shut it down they couldn't yeah. stop it um and, and this and is something that, that was kind of, yeah that people chose it was chosen by a bunch of people who were at the cutting edge of needing to solve a problem in in a very yeah. high stakes environment so that's kind absolutely of telling absolutely and it, and it was voluntary that's what really matters is that bitcoin has never been shoved down anyone's fucking throat like you know if if you're if you're a government your existence is predicated on the fact that if somebody in your jurisdiction decides to use their own money and not yours you put them in jail. So it's like, we only use the government money because we're forced to, not because it's good money. Whereas Bitcoin, no one's forcing anything. People are adopting it organically because it embodies the perfect attributes of money and it performs the functions of money perfectly. Um, you know, like if we look at the two, like two of the primary functions of money is uh, a store of value. Bitcoin is actually perfect. Like what people don't realize is the definition of store of value is knowing your proportion in relation to the whole. Store yeah. value has not, got nothing to do with price. Price is, a, is something that changes all the time. Store value is a, is a, is a definition about proportion. So Bitcoin, I know that if I've got one Bitcoin, I've got 121 millionth. That's what it is. So it's perfect. And then as a medium of exchange, it's also perfect because 
a medium of exchange is a perfect medium of exchange is defined as something in which two parties can exchange without permission or uh, dependence on the third party. Bitcoin's perfect. I, I don't care that, that you know if the NSA doesn't want me to send money to you know the um, some dude around the corner for you know weed or whatever. I can still do it. They can't fucking stop it. There's nothing yeah. they can do. So it, it's perfect in both of those things. So like when you look at Bitcoin, you know it that emergent nature of Bitcoin, the fact that it you know, wasn't run by anyone, the fact that it was issued, like it was a zero to one moment. I like to use that sort of framing, you know, like the Peter Thiel-esque mm. uh, framing is that it happened. And what cannot be replicated is that organic emergent path dependent evolution of a perfect money. Um, you can't go back and do that. Yeah, we can copy the code. We can change a few variables. You know, we can throw a bunch of marketing dollars around, you know, different narratives, you know, which is what all the other shit coins do. Like I always, like, I really want to break the idea that Bitcoin is, has anything to do with crypto. Like crypto is actually a mechanism to distract people from Bitcoin. So I, I actually put crypto in the fiat bucket and Bitcoin is 100% against crypto just because they share some technological you know characteristics doesn't mean shit you know crypto is just another form of fiat run by a new set of uh, aspiring rulers so you know what 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 the dweebs who are running their own cryptos their message is basically don't trust the bankers don't trust the central bankers because they'll print money but come and trust us because we're crypto yeah so like, hold on you know, we're jumping from fucking fry pan into the fire. Like it's completely mindless. The whole point here is the disintermediation of a issuer of money. That's what Bitcoin does. It puts it outside of all of our fucking hands. And that is something that cannot be replicated. Like it's, you can't go back in time. You can't recreate all of the path dependent organic emergent events that happened that allowed Bitcoin to, to get to where it is today. And at this point in time, it is fundamentally unstoppable. There is no conceivable way to stop bitcoin the only thing that they can do is continue to distract people from buying bitcoin with anything from cbdc's to fintech to crypto to ethereum to shit coins to DeFi to everything else it's all fucking noise and it exists as a distraction from people getting out of the system and bankrupting the old system and moving into bitcoin because that's the game yeah so that is that yeah because i think that's how you view the, the sort of nation state status quo attack. That's, that's, that's what your understanding of it is. Cause, cause you know, one thing the last, the last year has told us, it's enabled us to get as awful as it's been. It's enabled us to get a lot wiser. Right. And so well, some do, of us, some of us, some of us. Yeah. It's enabled other people to double down on their stupidity, but yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, we now know what, and what an establishment allergic reaction to ideas look like, right? So we now know what happens. Like, uh, you know, I've been to protests in London, streets are full, you're not getting any reporting in the media. Mm-hmm. Vaccine mm-hmm. stuff, Trump election stuff, it's kicked off, it's shut down. So I guess, you know, so, so a lot of people are, are kind of going, well, has Bitcoin had that treatment? You know, it's kind of in the, it's kind of in the, um, it's, it's, it's been in the public sphere and stuff like that. So I guess is, is, is the counter that they've realized that look, they can't, they can't destroy this. They did the whole ridicule it, whatnot. It, it just gained so much traction. And so is the idea that they created creation of all this noise, throwing kind of these, these, these kind of crypto blockchain, these flashcards in front of people's mind. Is that kind of the thinking that they're sort of drawing us away from 100%. the network? That's what your take on what's going on is. 
hundred percent, hundred percent. You 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 can't. They, they've come to terms with the fact that they can't beat it. They can't do shit. Like literally, you know, the 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 hash rate just dropped fifty percent because an entire fuck. Like the the whole Chinese thing was a nation state attack on Bitcoin. Yeah, Bitcoin hasn't skipped the beat. It's doing fucking fine. Like there's nothing you know going on. Like you know the blocks are still coming, transactions still happening. Like the network has funded like fundamentally been attacked and it is hasn't skipped the fucking beat like they can't beat it so the only thing they can do like and mark my words on this like you know that they will vcs and shit like that who are you know funded by the same kind of money that you know gives governments the right to or gives government the capacity to treat us like fucking gulag serfs yeah um they're the same ones who are funding all of the Ethereum shit, all of the Cardano shit, all of the competitors to Bitcoin. And yeah. they are putting ridiculous amounts of marketing behind that to basically distract people with the decentralized narrative or the, you know, the tech narrative. That's their attack on Bitcoin. Well, so what in theory, that's what I'm trying to get. And like, like I said, this is what you're, your writing kind of help, you know, if you, you're fr it's framing the question of, well, why do you need a super decentralized, you know, why, you know, why do you need something that's super decentralized? Like that, you know, this notion of there being a trade off, right? Um, like what is, what is theoretically interesting about blockchain for someone who is a centralized power? That's what I can't, I'm trying to get my head around that when they're talking about, when they're talking about all these banks, JP Morgan, Ray Dalio being really excited about the technology. I'm still trying to get my head around that because I'm like, well, you know, it, what's, what is, what is the whole blockchain thing? What is the technological leap that's happened? Is I, I'm, I'm, and I'm still, I can't, I can't get my head around it. Like, is well, there, you can't get your head around it because there's nothing there. It's smoke it, and mirrors. It's, it's, it's smoke and mirrors leaping on, I guess, using the, um, using the kind of brand that, that it's developed. Um, that's it. That's all it is. So, so what you've got is these large scale companies now selling these dumbass solutions. Like, so, so the enterprise guys are always like losers, I guess, you know, they're always last to the party, you know, and they're always like packaging some horse shit into a, um, you know, into a, you know, enterprise version of whatever to like, you know, show that we're being innovative. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, the banks were talking about, you know, shit like blockchain, which they, first of all, they don't understand. Second of all is smoke and mirrors. These idiots are still running the core of their infrastructure on fucking COBOL, like yeah. 1970s punch cards for fuck's sake. Like they don't know shit all about innovation and they, but they, their marketing department effectively, you know, walks in and says, Hey, we got to sound smart. So what's the, what's the buzzword of the year? Blockchain. What does it do? I don't know. It secures things. How? I don't know. We'll get a consultant in to show us how to do that. But let's say that we're doing blockchain and you know, they come up and they pump their stock price and it, it's this, it's this complete smoke and mirror stupidity. Like, so in theory, is it just, it, is it just sort of a, what they are proposing is a, is, is a more slightly distributed system essentially that's still centrally managing. They're kind of like, it's a, di a distributed ledger. It's slightly, you know, distributed ledger that has, I guess, still one, one central point of control, but they're kind of, it's just the whole distributed element that they're kind of jumping on and going, oh yeah, that's that's kind of what the whole Bitcoin thing is about anyway. That's it. Yeah, they're, they're splitting up their server, their servers across multiple parties. Mm. And then, you know, multiple parties may need to, you know, run a copy of the, you know, the data. Um, and, you know, they'll have to make an agreement on a periodic basis about, you know, the integrity of the data. But I mean, so what? Like, the, the, all the parties, they know each other anyway. <laughs> so it's like, 
you know, the, the integrity of the data is just dependent on their agreement as the parties involved. It's so fucking dumb. Like it is literally pointless. Bitcoin innovations that nobody knows each other and mm. we still achieve consensus every 10 minutes globally. Like that is fucking incredible. Getting, getting a couple of people together and agreeing on what you're going to do is not incredible. That's something we've been doing since the beginning of time. There's nothing interesting there. Yeah. Are you familiar with the work of Alison McDowell? Is she that lady? Uh, I feel like I am not familiar with her work, but people have like kind of been sending me her stuff. Well, yeah, so she's done, she's, I guess she's quite deep. She's done a lot of research, I suppose, into technocracy and so into the way yeah, that, yeah. you know, into the, it, it, so this new technocratic society that I guess the Great Reset is building us towards. That seems to have, there seems to be some intentionality in the use of blockchain there in the sense that, you know, you tie an ID, you, everyone has their ID tied to like a public ledger and the rest of it. Um, so it does, do you know, yeah, I was just wondering if, if you know much about that and you can speak to that because it does seem, it does seem like over and above it being like a, there clearly is a smoke and mirrors element, but it does seem over and above that there is something, there is a use for the blockchain technology that is kind of dystopian. Yeah, look, it's it's not even the blockchain technology. What it is is that they're gonna build databases um, that you know, like I can do all of that right now using a MySQL database. Like yeah. you can you can give everyone a tag, you can give everyone ID, um, you you can do all of that. Um, they're just using the word blockchain to make it sound enticing, to make it sound like it's something democratized. But it's yeah. literally just a database that the governments will run. Um, to tag us and manage us and control us and run us. That, that's yeah. And people like um, Charles Hoskinson, they're just the useful idiots, I suppose. They're the useful. No, idiots no he's not even a useful people. idiot. He's he actually aspires to do that. So he's like, you know, what we can do with Cardano is, you know, like there was there's a great video of him talking about like what they want to do in um Ethiopia. There's a really good article about a guy in Ethiopia who's like. Cardano is coming here, ripping fucking people off um, and taking advantage of the Ethiopians is that he, his dream, he, and he like, I'm going to paraphrase what he was saying in this video is like, you know, people in these third world countries don't have a um, opportunity because, you know, they're not identified. They don't have a, you know, ID number, you know, but so with Cardano, we'll be able to, to, you know, tag them. We'll be able to identify. And we'll be able to create entire credit history and a thing. So that way, governments, you know, who want to provide services to these people, you know, can do it, and it's all on the. And I'm like, fuck me! Like, this this guy is a. I would call him a useless idiot because he he's literally trying to promote the very thing that Bitcoin stands against. You know mm. what I mean? Like, it's the whole point of Bitcoin is that no, 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 we do not want to have a fucking database with everyone fucking their fingerprint and their you know dna identified so that some central authority can manage what they want to do with their lives that, that, that is the opposite of what we want but these cardano fools and these ethereum monkeys and all of them the same they they are stuck in the old paradigm they, they don't they cannot envision a world in which large-scale nation states yeah. uh, don't operate everything so so what they're trying to do is they're trying to innovate for the fucking enemy they're trying to innovate for the nation states make them work make them work more yeah. efficiently and the rest of it yeah um yeah no, it's it, it is it is interesting and so and so to sum up like is bitcoin is is the decentralized it's proven it's kind of it's a complex system that's emerged it's gone through things that when these attacks happen i guess the fact that it stays operational 
you know, what doesn't kill you make you stronger. Those kind of laws of of biology of nature have kind of embedded themselves in. And Absolutely, so, yeah. And Bitcoin, so everything, Bitcoin, yes, no, because because when you know when so when I first came to understand the nature of the beast, you know, you realize rent seeking having a, you know owning a choke point is is the cause of so many issues right and then you start you know there's a temptation to then go okay we just got to decentralize everything you know lo- lo- logistics yeah, no. this that and the other and so the vision is so all this blockchain stuff is is nonsense you only the the the, the thinking behind bitcoin is is that money is the most critical point of leverage you decentralize that foundational piece then power becomes much more distributed and a lot of a lot of the issues kind of resolve themselves. And so you're more envisioning sort of, I guess, to kind of get to get caught up in some of the tech stuff, a decentralized base layer with almost fintech around it, with fintech solutions around. Is that kind of, because a lot of people go, oh, fintech's coming, fintech's going to take down the banks. But ultimately, I guess, the fintech was just making certain parts of the operation more effective, like more efficient and the rest of it. And But it wasn't changing the fundamental base layer. Absolutely. If you don't fix the money, all you're doing is you're putting lipstick on a pig. So, so traditional fintech is, yeah. is, is making the, the already fundamentally fraudulent and broken monetary system slightly more efficient. Yeah. Who gives a fuck? You know, Bitcoin throws the whole thing out and says, all right, let's start with making sure the foundation is fixed. Then let competition take care of the rest. So, so to your point about decentraliz- decentralization, you know, in the early days, I was the same, you know, I was, was saying earlier before we started the conversation, like, you know, we all have to climb Mount Stupid in our own ways. And in the beginning, I thought, you know, decentralizing everything was a good idea. But what you realize is that decentralization is actually a means to an end. And that end is censorship resistance or, you know, impossibility. Resilient, or resilience and stuff like that. Because I've heard some exactly mil- some military analysts. Have you heard of John Robb? He's uh, uh he, yeah, he's a military and he's sort of talking about the how the nation state proved a, a liability. So if he talks a lot about what happened in Iraq and how the Iraqi mm-hmm. nation state was incapable of defending itself against these sort of roving networked guerrillas, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so his his solution, you know, he's saying the nation state cannot cannot survive from a defense perspective mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. essentially you just have all these small scale system disruption attacks, which just make it economically impossible to fulfill your role as a nation. And so his solution <laughs> is about, you know, for example, gave the example of the energy system, and he's saying that you create rather than have one defined pipeline centralized, you know, we take it from here, we put it there. You have a fully decentralized system. So there's no single point of failure such that a nation, a, a people, a group of people's um, energy supply can't be cut off in that way. So that yeah, again, kind of that, so that, so, so that again, it shows that, that, you know, for, I guess, big powers, there is some benefit for decentralization, but the, the, the benefits around de- decentralization are around, robustness around not being able to attack any particular point and the rest of it. hundred percent. Right? And that's 100%. the only, is that the only use case for decentralized, like for decentralized systems? Fundamentally it is. It is yeah. like, like you look at nature, it's a decentralized system because it happens, it, it, it emerges and it, you know, creates itself at the edge. So, so the whole mean like decentralization is a means to an end. And the end is, uh, the, the, resistance to complete collapse or the resistance to complete censorship, the resistance to complete control. Fundamentally, that's the purpose of decentralization. So then the question is like, 
what the cost of decentralization? Well, the cost of decentralization is lots of inefficiency, you know, lots mm. of, you know, energetic use, blah, blah, blah. So then you have to then make an economic decision to say what is worth being as decentralized as possible. And as we established at the beginning of the conversation, money is the ultimate lever. It's the, it's the lever that underpins energy, it underpins defense, it underpins everything. So that should be the thing that is the most censorship resistant. Yeah. That, that is the most fundamentally centralized. So that's what Bitcoin is. Now, trying to apply that same recipe to stupid shit like, you know, fucking overpriced JPEGs, you know, NFTs, mm. um, or, you know, like people gambling between shit. Like, it's so fucking dumb. Like, what, what a waste think of about time and energy. The other, obviously, the other big story, you know, is, is narrative control, right? And, you know, you mm. think about, you know, part of the reason why the, you can get away with fiat money is if you control the narrative, you control people's minds, you control the way people think. And so, you know, it seems to me that if there were a second proper use case, it's around information flows and the rest of it. And do you nah. not, do you not think nah, so stuff like all. LBR, stuff like LBRY, you know, for example, you're seeing that certain domains can be targeted by the FBI, right? So if like, they didn't like what Iran are doing, they shut down. There's a, there's a, there's a server there. There's a particular person, there's a particular contact you know, in, you know, that runs certain sites and stuff. Do you think that there is, um, there's kind of scope for it in that? That would seem to me to be the use case, right? No, the solution is defund the FBI. The solution is not build something that no one's going to use that'll never get traction because it doesn't have the marketability and the usability that the other competitor has. Yeah. Um, And, you know, like LBRY will never compete with YouTube, no matter what it fucking does. No matter yeah. what it does, um, you so, the, so UX, the, yeah, is, the UX is just is never going to be as quick as slick as never, never, yeah. never, never, never. So, 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 so the, the solution is not do that. The solution is get rid of the FBI, and you do that by defunding the state. So, so we need to fix the problem upstream. So, so here's like I, I spoke about this uh, with a person a little while back, and I was like, the the solution to narrative censorship or you know to censorship of speech and all of that. Not in it's in competition. And, you know, so, so the rise of the technocratic elite, I've actually got to finish this article. I started writing it about a year and a half ago called, you know, the rise of the technocratic Leviathan. And what I talk about in there is that, you know, the, the, the Googles and Facebooks and, you know, the Twitters and YouTubes of the world have risen as a function of being close enough, uh, being beneficiaries of the fiat monetary system and being beneficiaries of the existence of a state. Um, now, you know, you, you look at where, the, how they're funded, like they're naturally in the beginning, they're extremely, uh, useful products. You know, they, 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 they disrupt the status quo, you know, they, you know, they, they fundamentally provide a value and yeah. they get strong, but then what happens is, you know, they get bought by, you know, VCs, by bankers, by wall street and all of this sort of stuff. And then what happens is all of the money that is printed first goes to wall street. Yeah. Then goes to the bankers and then piles into a few key companies. Well, it's the same. Yeah, and, and it's it's the same. It's the same characters, right? The same corrupt politicians have the contacts in these, you know, in these central organizations. And so, the people that manage to get, you know, the, they choose the horse that they want to ride. They see Twitter. They see Facebook. Mm-hmm, they choose the mm-hmm. one they want. I mean, I've I have heard, you know, I've heard pretty reliable people claiming that you know front organizations did, you know, CIA front organizations or whatnot did fund. And it kind of makes sense if you look at what the narrative that people had in the 90s where the internet was fragmenting, um, you know, massively, you know, 
reducing the cost of information. So anyone can be an information, anyone can be an information producer. It removes, it basically means that there is no narrative control on the rest of it. And then so you see what the net effect and you talk about how excited everyone was about the internet and you look at what the net effect has been. It's well, these, these companies have swallowed everything up. Correct. And that's um, the thing. They can swallow it up because they have access to free capital. Yeah. It's not the power. It's the free capital. That's what they get. They get the free fucking money. So even if you are a competitor, you either get fucking drowned yeah. because you can't compete with them um, or they buy you out and they shut you up. So, so there's no competition there. But on a Bitcoin standard, this is again why we fix the, the problem upstream. On a Bitcoin standard, there is there is actual fucking com competition. There is Darwinian competition. And if you are a big player and you provide a bad service, people fucking go elsewhere. And you as a big player can't keep yourself in power by borrowing and by getting all the fucking money fraudulently that is being printed. Yeah. You, you actually have an economic reality. So this ties back to what I said earlier is that on a Bitcoin standard, you don't get lockdowns because there is an economic reality. There is an economic cost to making bad decisions as yeah. a company. If you start to censor people, you start to censor your own fucking customers, you will go bankrupt very, very quickly on a Bitcoin standard because there is no government there to print money to bail your fucking dumb ass out. You need to put the foundations in place properly. Uh, you need to do the right things. And, and I guess the thing, about, the thing about printing money is it just enables this sort of short-termism. It enables this, this kind of distraction. People can kind of go, so, you know, Trump can talk about how the stock markets hit another, another high you know, you can create all these shiny things. You can create all these little bits of excitement. You can create all these vanity metrics that, that disincentivize people from actually getting the foundations in place. Um, correct, correct. I do, I do get the, what the, the one juncture, it seems that there's two ways. There's kind of two ways that you can, you can, um, you can confront the problem. Um, the first one is, is, you know, you take the Bitcoin approach. The second one is, and there have been moments of this historically is you, is you nationalize the banking. Right. In the sense that you, you know, part of the issue, part of the issue is you have these international banking cartels, which are keen on opening markets and the rest of it. They're keen on, they're, you know, they're keen on just, you know, growing their tentacles, growing the reach of the tentacles, growing the reach of the, um, of the corporations, opening markets to free trade, not protecting any people. Whereas if you, you know, the other option is if you nationalize the banking, if you, if you remove the speculative part of banking from the actual, um, from the sound part of banking and you, and you have banks which apply credit for productive use, right? For infrastructure, not for the financialization, not for indebting people. If you do get, if the people via the state apparatus get control of banking, like it happened for under, under Lincoln with the greenback and stuff like that, there is another way of, of kicking out this evil, right? But I, to me, not really. To it's me, always doomed to fail. Well, to me, you know, if you can educate people, if you can get the political will for it, it seems. It might. So anyway, this is another paradigm. I'm still learning more about it. I just know that that is sort of what has enabled, I what has enabled the, the rapid growth of, of China, for example, is that they have not had. They did not allow people like Soros to come in, and subvert. They kicked them out in the nineties, right? So they recently they have nationalized banking and they've invested the, the, the capital, they've invested the credit, they put that towards productive things, right? So they've taken it away from a financial economy to an industrial economy. Now, my concern with that is, is, is how do you get hold of the political apparatus, right? We seem very far 
away from that. Yeah, I, I think that's um, just as bad an idea as um, anything else. Like, I, I'd, I'd challenge the idea that China succeeded because of that. I, I think China's always been a, um, a collectivist society. Um, and, you know, whilst, you know, in some pockets, China has become extraordinarily wealthy, you know, they, they have a few interesting advantages. They have a billion people. They have a serf and slavery type um, infrastructure and mentality. You know, you know there's, there's a class structure in China where, yeah. um, you know, if you're in a particular class, you know, you 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 are forced to carry the burden for you know higher classes. Um, they also only um, were able to build productive capacity because of the existence of other nation states that were wealthy enough to buy their shit. In the absence of the U.S., China would still be a fucking starvation pocket like china has has been suffering and from starvation and famines from the beginning of time and they still fucking have the same problems now we just don't hear about it because they're very good at trying to suppress the fucking information that comes out of the state so china's not very strong china's actually fundamentally extraordinarily fucking weak and their their strength is literally dependent on the consumerism that is rampant in places like you know, Western Europe, America, um, and Australia and shit like that. So, 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 so nationalizing the, you know, the banking doesn't really solve anything because all it does is it moves the locus of power to another group. Um, and arguably, um, you know, government politician types and bureaucrats are actually probably more incompetent, um, at running banking services than probably, you know, more private, uh, organizations are. The issue is that they're all in bed together anyway. They don't actually give a fuck about doing what's right. You know, when you're in that position, you know, the incentive is to strengthen and to, to maintain a moat, not of value adding or service or, you know, technological production or anything like that. The moat is keeping uh, yourself in power and making it impossible for anyone to compete with you. The whole, like, the only thing that fixes this is moving money out of anyone's hands and then enabling finance to be competitive, enabling payments and finance and everything to be competitive. And that's where Bitcoin again fixes this is if I want to run a, you know, a, a Bitcoin bank, for example, or a payment mechanism or anything, I build it on Bitcoin. I don't have to ask anyone. I don't have to apply for anything. I don't have to, you know, beg for permission. I don't have to do shit. Bitcoin is an open fucking monetary network. And I do that. That is where, you know, you get the natural, you know, Darwinian competitive uh, efficiencies that you do not get when you have a cartel type model yeah i get it i guess the tricky thing is it's hard to um no, no I, I fully get that and the potential limitations you know if you look at if you look at it from one perspective if you if you actually get a proper a proper nationalism going right if you actually get a proper identify self-identifying set of people who do not that not a parasitical elite if you and, and this is where the globalism has scrambled things so much that it's really hard to see that and so I understand that the, the push to kind of be almost kind of li very libertarian, very libertarian, very anarchist, because I do appreciate that a lot of people are, are kind of thinking if we just get the nationalism right, then we have, then we have a sort of infrastructure in place to kick out finance, to, to, you know, to remove, mm -hmm. to repeal the Gross-Steagall Act, to start doing, you know, using money in the way that it should be used. So I do, I do kind of get, I do, I do appreciate that perspective and, I guess it's just hard to see how things are going to evolve. Bitcoin, as they understand the nature of the problem, but naturally it's going to be emergent. We don't know how, how geopolitics is going to play out and the rest of it. So I suppose it does make it hard to, 
to kind of really visualize what an alternative. And so I guess the, the concern with Bitcoin is it just creates another, um, if, it, if you can't, if it breaks down nation states too quickly, then it creates a, vo- it creates a vacuum where organized power structures can continue to do what they've been doing. They can, but they, they, what they're bound by, though, is economic reality. So, so They are so, bound by it yeah. on, a, on a different level. I'm just saying that, um, a part, to my mind, part of what has created all this centralization of power is this rampant globalism, rampant individualism, which has basically removed the one check weight that any people have against power, which is a social fabric. The people, you know, mm-hmm. the libertarians are very... You know, I, I went from being a libertarian, you know, from being a libertarian to kind of realizing that a lot of these radical movements, a lot of the radical centralization of power, things like the Russian Revolution, they have all predicated the sort of woke revolution, the breakdown of the family, mm, international mm, capital, mm. has been built upon the destruction of social of the social fabric about rampant individualism. If you create, you know, we are tribal people. If you individualize Mm -hmm. us, we create a void. And that's when this, these whole greater good narratives start kind of clutching at us because we're kind of alone. We're floating. We're waiting to get hoovered up. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I do. So in a collectivism is is an ugly word, but it's actually kind of, you know, perhaps it needs to be organic, but I think that is the state that we need to, to kind of move towards to my mind. Right. And yeah. Well, I, I would have yeah. a, a robust. If you if you have family clan, if you have that robust structure, then then the money, the you know, then the social conservatism, learning the lessons of history, not kind of falling to the sort of easy money to the bait to the mm-hmm. shiny objects and the rest of it. You're in a much better posi- position to withhold against that. And so the only concern that I have with with things like Bitcoin is that the the, the narrative, the philosophy around it is so individualistic that it's going to accelerate these trends when perhaps what we need to do is kind of reawaken our, the fact that we belong in dense, very well-organized collectives, right? So, you know, when I think about Ayn Rand and stuff like that, that kind of mindset, to me, it's not so much that the state is, is evil. It's that the state is evil when it's occupied by your enemies, when it's occupied mm. by, and it's controlled by a parasitical elite not by an actual self-identifying people who really care for one another. And so, I don't know, so it's a part of the way that this, you know, this, this, this technological advances seem to appeal to me is that perhaps it makes smaller scale possible. Um, yes. And yes. So certainly so, to subsume yourselves into these broader collectives where there's naturally going to be a bit of a scramble and where, again, the more organized force, the financier class can then start having their way. And these are some of the kind of, you know, sort of things that make me slightly hesitant about kind of really diving into it. Into, into yeah, well, I think you put, pull, you know, you, you make a bunch of very interesting points. So I would argue a couple of things here then. So just to, or maybe not argue, but clarify. Hmm. So first and foremost, um, tribalism is, I think, the word you mentioned there, which is extraordinarily important. You know, I'm writing a piece now, which is the third chapter for the Jordan Peterson series I'm writing, and it's called Bitcoin, Bitcoiners and Citadels. And what, what it's going to talk about is, you know, the Bitcoin as a force for localization and fragmentation um, of society. So, so the, the biggest problem we have is that, you know, we try, and, and this is the, the issue with the globalist uh, movement, is that it, it tries to homogenize everything so that, you know, we're all 
meaningless uh, individuals that don't matter so that you know the only thing that matters is the big large collective which is completely wrong right that the, the whole point of um individualism is not that every person is on their own the the, the point of the individualist you know uh, doctrine i guess in a sense is that we 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 should be voluntarily aligning around groups and val- groups and people who we share common values with yeah that's the whole fucking point and 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 what Bitcoin enables you to do, and, and it, it actually is occurring in a sense in Bitcoin. You, I don't know if you're on Bitcoin Twitter or not, but you know, Bitcoin Twitter has like its own factions and tribes of people who mm. get along, people who don't fucking get along and all this sort of stuff. So it happens organically in and of itself. Like people get along in and of you know, our own volition with other people. So what you get on a Bitcoin stand is the fact that the individual can be sovereign. He has the capacity to align himself with others whom he wants to align with. And they put together local communities that can only scale up to a certain point because it's only economically feasible up to a certain point to operate a locale. So, so what I believe Bitcoin enables over the long term is a future in which we have, you know, hundreds of thousands of charter city states as opposed to large scale nation states. Like large scale yeah. nation states are bankrupt institutions. They can't operate because the, the larger the number of people becomes, the less... Um, chance you have of people getting along without force or without yeah. these collectivist narratives. Well, yeah, and so the bang for buck. Yeah, and if you view it for economically, sovereign individual is is a very compelling book. I'm sure you've I'm sure you've read mm-hmm. it. And mm-hmm. yeah, you look at the way that the economy's de- uh, you know developing and whatnot, and it's like the bang for buck for a nation state, given the value, given that they're incapable of providing value. You know, I spoke about John Robb. If they can't defend the people, then what the hell are mm-hmm. you? So then it really starts getting down to, okay, well, who, who am I supporting, right? Who, who am I supporting with this taxation? Who am I sharing my resources with? Um, and I guess that's one, that's one vision for it, right? Is it enables kind of collectives to, I suppose, organize around this one backbone, this one core piece of infrastructure, which is, you know, the Bitcoin network. So it enables, I guess, in some, would you say kind of, it lowers the, the barriers to entry almost for civilizing people. Is this the, positive vision for it, it, it in the it, sense it's, that, look it, yeah go on go on go on well, no, in, the the se- well, in the sense that every any kind of group you don't any group has access to a key piece of technology to operate as a society right they have offer to money right and if yes, you don't have every that, society needs money at at the cornerstone right? so like yeah. if so so what i i kind of call bitcoin the ultimate equality of opportunity you can't have equality of opportunity and everything else we're all born to different parents were all born with different talents we're all born with different skills we're all born in different parts of the world you can't get a quality of opportunity unless you bomb the entire fucking world and we start from scratch right so yeah. so, so equality of opportunities is a, is a nice myth um like so if you kind of take it from you know equality of outcome is what the moron socialists and collectivists want which is completely abhorrent equality yeah. of opportunity is something you know people even like jordan peterson everyone talk about as a, as a desired goal but it's actually impossible to achieve the only quality of opportunity that matters is that we're all on the same fucking money um, and not through force, but through just natural selection, which is what Bitcoin represents is the, is, yeah. is the perfect money that is naturally being selected. Now on a Bitcoin standard, people will be free to go and create their own money. The issue they're going to have is that you, you as a, as a logical individual want to store the product of your labor in a better form of money, not a money that is predicated on the, on the promise of somebody else. Yeah. So bad money will always uh, go to zero against Bitcoin. So, so you will have this sort of backbone that exists. You have this sort of basis of equality of opportunity. 
And then what you get is you get a competitive uh, kind of patchwork model of um, society where you have different city operators. Like, you know, I, I have a, I believe in the future, like I want to use my Bitcoin to acquire a large, you know, chunk of land so that I can build, you know, my Svetsky city and it'll be, you know, no, like, you know, maybe uh, no tax, you know, no, no fucking income tax, none of that, but it'll be a membership model where if you want to be a part of the city, for, for basic um, services, we, you know, we'll provide external protection, we'll provide some sort of, you know, optionality for internal protection, you know, and we'll provide, I don't know, some sort of, you know, optionality for judicial services. Yeah. And for that, you pay a fixed membership of, you know, 100,000 sats per, per annum. Um, and you can come and you can build, you can create, you can innovate, you can do whatever the fuck you want, but we provide these basic services. Um, now, another city might say, look, you know, our membership price is higher. It's, you know, 500,000 sats per annum, but you get, you know, judicial services, you get this, you get that. We have a social safety net for people, you know, who aren't working, blah, blah, blah. You know? And what will yeah. happen is you get this competitive version of, you know, um, the, the, you know, the status model, but on a, on a much more local fragmented uh, level. And I think you, we, we don't get there though without first breaking the large scale nation states and we don't break large scale nation states without Bitcoin um, or without some sort of catastrophic fucking collapse where we go back a hundred thousand years and we're back to hunter gathering mode. Um, yeah. So I prefer the Bitcoin alternative. <laughs> yeah. There's two ways, you know, the one, the one, you know, there's sort of the, the, the sort of bronze age collapse and then there's the, the mm -hmm, great, mm -hmm. the, the, and then there's a depression collapse, the sort of 1929 collapse where the rug was pulled by the, by the bankers. There's different kind of ways that it could go. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, perhaps I do believe in protectionism in the sense that I think if you just understand human nature, every, you know, you look at, I'm not a fan of religion or anything like that, but you look at all the major religions, they're all predicated on this idea that, you know, there is humans do have an impulse that needs to be restrained. Mm -hmm. You do need to have a mechanism and families are like this, right? You put your, you come secondary to the family. So I suppose, I, I suppose in a kind of Bitcoin, in the world of Bitcoin standards, where you have these, I guess, these, these groups organizing around of it, the way that you go about putting the people first, I suppose culture will evolve differently, right? You, you perhaps will have a, you know, you will have a culture which um, you, you, you perhaps if, if it is more open, because that's the nature of Bitcoin internationally, right? It's, it's open internationally. And so, it, you know, if, it, if that's one dimension for it, which is kind of, gonna open groups up to i guess follow their own individual impulses right and create you know create a scramble again then perhaps cultures will evolve differently in these locales like you educate people diff you will you know obviously you want to align on resonance and stuff like that but that's in some ways utopian that like oh we we both like these books we both like this we both see the world in this way is that really going to be robust through thick and thin um well, what and so, yeah, what that's, that's get, what I'm yeah. trying to grasp because, because, you know, you had just quickly, you know, you had, um, G. Edward Griffin on, that's, that's actually, yes. how, you know, how I came across you and, you know, when you're reading his book, the one takeaway for me of all this is, okay, obviously the money is key, but it's the most organized group wins. If you have, if you have people that have been working for centuries with a particular plan, with an, with a, with a philosophy like these banking cartels, if you plan over the long run, and you put the pieces in place and you scramble everyone with globalism, you make people lose their sense of who they are. There's no gen, there's mm -hmm. no way, you know, you talk about part of what money is, it's capturing its memory. It's capturing the accumulated actions of people in a, in a, in a good way. Well, you need to do that. Like humans are tribal people. You need to do that 
at the at the at the level of kind of society, right? If a group, you know, otherwise the group that can work for towards a hundred fifty two hundred year goal will ultimately win out, as far as I'm concerned. Well, and that, well, that's, well and they that's should. What, the, that's the, gr- the group, the, yeah. Well, here's the thing: the the so, so there's a small correction to that. So so it's only right to the extent that the, the most organized group should actually always win. That, that is actually the, the universal law of nature that should happen. Um, the problem that has occurred is that the most organized group that won got control of the fucking printing press. And they are now no longer the most organized group. They don't have to be the most organized group because they can just pull the money printer and yeah. they can stay there. So, so what you get when you have when nobody can pull the lever of the money printer when that is outside of all of our hands you'll get periods of organized groups that you know concentrate power and fucking fantastic because they'll stay in power so long as they provide they some sort of value or can hold on to it right exactly so now as soon as they start to lose competence the next most organized person will start to take over um and that is fine so what you get is you get this dynamic inequality because you can't artificially keep yourself in power that's so the maybe, problem. Yeah, now. so maybe yeah, so maybe you know, maybe what you'll get is the general when you have this more this more egalitarian backbone, because you, you don't have this ridiculous point of leverage which the printing presses are, you know, perhaps eventually what will happen is, you know, the you know, survival pressures will push people towards needing to be organized, needing to think in terms Correct. of collectives again like that. No, it's it's hard to sometimes you know, I you know, you get caught even to the extent that you think you're awake, it's hard to sometimes fully remove yourselves from the shackles of the current paradigm and stuff like that. And so sometimes it's kind of, you know, can be hard to, to know when you are projecting stuff, projecting dynamics forward into, you know, into a future Bitcoin world. It's hard to kind of know which one of the, you know, which ones, which things will hold and which, which things won't. Right. So that's what, you know, that's what makes it tricky. But I I do, you know, I do, I do get your point. Um, I just think that that's the one thing that I think that, this, this the the super libertarian angle they kind of this notion of the individual you know the individual being supreme it's like if you focus on this on this base sense making level about the individual being the primary unit of existence right and you know the whole medium of the message type thinking that that changes everything about the way that you make sense of the world if that's pushed too hard which it is in many corners of the bitcoin world then we're going to have the same it might not be there might not be such high leverage because we've solved the money we've removed a source of you know a central you know important locus of control um but you could end up in this situation where people are easy to be radicalized these totalitarian collectives that we don't like have Mm -hmm. you know have a have a great kind of set of raw materials because it's a bunch of confused people thinking that like i'm you know i'm like i'm superman i'm the i'm the all-powerful individual um it it actually doesn't matter though because see here's the thing you know the 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 ones who um like alienate people and go way too far on the individualist spectrum and sort of like you know push everyone away and all that sort of stuff and and are really easy to manipulate and everything they're the ones who are going to be economically less significant whilst the other ones who are organizing themselves into functional locales and functional mm. groups and functional, you know, cities or whatever, they're actually going to accumulate more uh, economic uh, energy. They'll accumulate more Bitcoin because they're more functional. Um, so so, so the, it actually doesn't matter. W- where it matters today is that 
again, the, the, the monetary spigot allows, you know, artificial um, uh, control. So, so it allows these monkeys who are the elitists or whatever we want to call them, the parasites, to, to remain in power, to confuse all the other idiots, but to, to play that game, which is actually an economically losing game. But because they can lie about their economic position by printing more money, those of us who are actually intelligent, you know, who are more conservative, who form groups and everything, we pay for the fucking chaos because we get taxed and our money gets fucking inflated. Mm. So, but on a Bitcoin standard, you pay for their mistakes. So if they want to be radically fucking individual and susceptible to fucking being manipulated by idiots and produce nothing and do all of that, well, my wealth is actually not impacted by their bad decisions. They will actually squander their wealth and I will fucking gain. Well, so so as a result, the system corrects itself. Yeah. No, I get what you mean. Like if, you know, we're talking about this, this, this signal not being, you know, being pure, right? The signal, you know, in terms of money and whatnot. And so that you'd think that without all this noise, without all this obfuscation and whatnot, that the, the, the laws of nature will manifest themselves more, you know, in a, in a more true way. And I guess part of, you know, part of the kind of nationalist mindset is that, well, that not the best way for people to thrive is as collective. So I suppose, you, you know, in some ways, in this Bitcoin future, those dynamics, if they really are true, if we're right in our, in our kind of analysis about the way humans work, those forces will rise. So no, I, you know, I do, yes. I, I do get that. Yeah. Um, you, you get, you get more functional, smaller, more robust collectives. Yeah. Because uh, they're subject to competition and they're subject to economic reality. That's it. Like un, until we make collectives subject to economic reality, you get collectives that are fucking sheep controlled by a few people. But if yeah. you get collectives that are subject to economic reality and subject to bad consequences, because like at the moment we're, we're like a human being who has um, his nerve centers turned off and we're putting our hand on the fucking stove and our hand is burning off. But because we don't feel the fucking pain because we think we're so intelligent that we've turned off our nerve centers, we're fucking burning our arms off. Yeah. Whereas the whole point of feeling the pain is to tell you that that's a damaging thing to do. But yeah. you know, we, we kind of remove the signal. And this is, again, where Bitcoin corrects that very early on because it's directly rooted into you know, thermodynamics. It's direct, there is no, you make a bad decision, you have a bad result instantly. You make a good decision, you get a good result. Yeah. And, and it, it forces society through natural selection to make better decisions. And, and, it, is, and it keeps... Um, society competitive um, because you can't you you know the larger you get the harder it is to manage and so you naturally end up breaking down and and Bitcoin because that backbone won't change because we put money into the realm of the speed of light we put it into the realm of the second law of thermodynamics we put it into the realm of you know time and energy you know money is also out there with them guess what we're all on the fucking on on a playing field in which the, the, the most functional and the most useful uh, find its way to the top. Like it's yeah. so fundamentally important. You, yeah, you, you won't get these, these sort of fishes at the moment where this very on, um, I guess what's, what's the word? This, yeah. It was very kind of incompetent elite is able to maintain its position yeah. because things will happen yeah. more. Um, yeah. Things will happen more. They'll be more true to the laws, laws of nature again. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Final juncture. Um, 
the other the other sort of i guess critique of bitcoin is that it's an extension of the speculative financial you know financier economy because at the moment it's 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 an investment i suppose right and so there's this you know so there's a concern that um how you know how's the average person gonna gonna benefit from it how do we stop this just being a bunch of very energetic passionate people not just sort of thinking you know spending all their life looking at charts and putting all their intellectual capacity into that i suppose part of this is solved by dispelling all the nonsense around DeFi and making people realize that it's not, you know, that, 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 that all that, all that's noise and that's a waste of time and that's a dead end. You know, I think a critical, once you just, if you assume a paradigm where it's just Bitcoin and the way that is the thing that's valuable, that is the thing that will persist. I guess a lot of the, some of these concerns go away because then people are just left with, you know, the money and then they're thinking, okay, how do we organize around it? But what is like, what is, building what do you want people to do like how do we help bitcoin succeed how do we organize how do we actually create and build value around it rather than just sort of sit speculating and and having it be an extension Mm -hmm. of you know just like another asset class yeah um so first and foremost is you know this is why you know a lot of people call me like a toxic Bitcoin maximalist, and you know I I've done that cape and I say yes, thank you very much because I want to keep the fuckwits um, out of Bitcoin in, in the early days. So, you know I I have a very hard line about Bitcoin, and you know I think that core hard line about Bitcoin being sovereign money and Bitcoin being an enemy of the state um, is you know fundamental. So 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 we start with you know uh, producing content. Um, and educating people around, you know, what is Bitcoin? Because in much the same way, you know, you gave me the example about, you know, the nationalist uh, movement is like people, people converge around similar values, around common values, around a common mission. So, so that's what Bitcoin is doing in a far more decentralized, far more, you know, global manner is that, you know, we organize, and we, you know, we build this narrative and the narrative from day one, like if you, I would recommend you look up a guy called Misha Popescu, who was, you know, one of the early, early, early Bitcoiners. And this guy was a hardcore motherfucker. Like, you know, he, he was, you know, talking like he was rumored to have almost a million fucking Bitcoin and he wanted to, um, at some point, like he, he recently died, unfortunately. Now, I don't know if he faked his death or not, but you know, he, he was, hardcore enough where he wanted to like, you know, at some point put together a fucking army and like um, take down, you know, the, the U S government and shit like crazy motherfucker. So you've got, um, you've got this sort of backbone and hardcore, you know, Bitcoin core philosophy that sort of starts, but then what emanates out from there is you get people who are fundamentally attracted to Bitcoin and Bitcoin only for some really profound reasons, which is how do we, save the world from fucking globalist morons and how do we make, you know, the infrastructure in the world and society we live in more, I'm sorry, not egalitarian, wrong word, um, more sovereign um, and more robust and more decentralized. So there's a guy called, you know, who I think you should definitely um, interview. I can do a link up for you. His name's Joel on uh, Twitter at untapped growth. And what he's doing is he's building um, basically a, uh, kind of co-ops um, where you can invest in uh, cattle um, for the regeneration of the soil, but also for uh, pulling food out of the control of centralized authorities. And, you know, who's he going to, you know, and most of his investors are all fucking Bitcoiners who want to have a renewable 
form of food over the long term. So as you invest in the cattle, you actually get a percentage share on, on the meat at the end of every year, but you also get a percentage of the um, a section of the cattle who are for reproduction and for growing and everything. So the, the, the three things he's trying to focus on is, is food, energy, and money. And if we can kind of build, if we can build, um, you know, pockets of, uh, you know, more fragmented, more decentralized, you know, uh, self-sufficient locales, we can start to build what I call pockets of hope in a sea of shit, which is, you know, the, the whole world is fundamentally being turned to shit by a bunch of globalist fucking morons, whether they have it, um, whether they have an agenda or whether they're just fucking completely incompetent or a mixture of the both, it doesn't matter that mm. the direction we're heading in. So what we need to do is build these pockets of hope. And the people doing that are the fucking Bitcoiners, because what we're fundamentally doing is first and foremost, we're pulling our economic capacity, our economic weight, out of the other system yeah so long as we're in the other system we give it we give it the subsistence it needs to exist so when we come out of that you've got productive people coming out of the system so it's simultaneously starving that one and um strengthening our one and yeah. we build other things around the you know, intellectual um circles we build um you know you know, energy infrastructure, food infrastructure, we, we start to get out of that. And, and that's the sort of the Bitcoin of Citadel meme is, you know, it's been going around for a couple of years is how do we extricate ourselves from the existing system? How do we build, you know, sustainable networks and, you know, co-ops and locales and, you know, potentially cities at some point to, um, you know, to, to, to basically rebuild as the rest of the ship is coming down. Like we yeah. need life rafts as the Titanic is fucking sinking. And, you know, that, that so, so, yeah. So, so that the fundamental, like, what we need for that though is we need unconfiscatable wealth. We can't do it without unconfiscatable wealth. Yeah. So, Bitcoin, you know, Bitcoin essentially enables people, you know, groups of people who who wanna who are who wanna step out, who wanna opt out of the collapsing system to operate with sovereignty because it provides that foundation of that economic yeah. foundation of, of money. And so, anything yeah. that you want to do, anything that you want to build naturally most of us want to get out of out of the system anything that you want to do it just it just it, it, it's 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 like a technology to facilitate stuff that you would want to do anyway that's kind of the thinking around it is yeah, you, know, yeah. you know that you can store wealth you know that you can transact you know that you can do stuff without the fundamental lifeblood of human existence being manipulated in such a way that it will yes destroy your plans take things in a direction that you don't want them to go it provides yeah. So that's the kind of imagine that's, trying that's to build response, yeah right? mm. imagine trying to build like a competitive you know food network or a competitive um you know energy network or a competitive anything and the the powers that be just turn off your bank account yeah <laughs> you can't do shit and that's what like, it's gonna, you, that's where yeah gonna, exactly they're, step, they're, they're, they're branching out of your censorship in terms of your, your facebook account you look what they did with parlor and and and, and stuff like that so it's what they're doing um, so you know, if if we want to revolt, we need to have a money that they can't stop. Like we need to be able to, you know, we need to be able to build networks of human energy, of human action, that can subsist outside of their capacity to shut us down, to control us, and to manipulate us. And that, that's why I always say, like, people are sitting here wasting money on crypto and wasting time and intellectual energy and capacity and everything, and they wonder why Bitcoiners are like so-called toxic we're like no 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 you fucking idiot we have a chance here to fucking turn the tides on this battle yeah all and you're fucking around with jpegs and you think you're fucking innovating you moron put the yeah. fucking energy here well, and and we need more fucking people yeah and time is of the essence right 
as well. It, it absolutely is. Yeah. So it absolutely what, is. So I guess that what yeah. So what can the what can the average person do then? So I mean, I guess just even from an information point, like get on get on Bitcoin, Twitter. Like, are there where where would you point people just so people can start? You know, people might still be skeptical and stuff like that, but I think just mm. is there like a congregation point for people who are not interested in the noise and who yeah like because i think that's what hands down bitcoin twitter is the is the is the point man you know like they get on bitcoin twitter like you know if if you put my my handle in the show notes people like i've spent you know a lot of time um curating my following list now i got banned from twitter um a couple months ago so you know i had a much better account beforehand but now like my new account is called ghost of svetsky so it's like a parody on myself um, but I've, I've recurated who I follow. So what people should do is check out who I follow and that'll get you right into the noise. Sorry, sorry. It'll get you right into the signal and out of all the noise. And, you know, I would recommend, you know, if people are, you know, if they don't have a public profile, do it as a, as a anonymous, because, you know, there's less chance of you, you know, getting banned and shit like that. I got banned because I was a public profile and I was, you know, speaking up against, you know, Corona and lockdowns and all this sort of stuff. And they finally fucking... Uh, ban my account, the pricks. So, um, so you know, I, I would recommend people. You know, Bitcoin Twitter is one place. Um, you know, I have written a lot about you know Bitcoin's revolutionary aspects. You know, for a number of years now. So, I would jump on some of the pieces I wrote. I think you know, t- to actually a couple of the uh, final points we were discussing. Like, I would strongly recommend that Jordan Peterson series that I started writing. So, the first one is called Bitcoin Territory and Hierarchy. And it actually dives into the, the whole thing that we we're talking about, about locations, about tribes, about how human beings organize themselves naturally around hierarchies of competence. But the world has become deformed that we no longer have hierarchies of competence. We have hierarchies of fiat, which deceit. are fundamentally incompetent. Exactly. We have hierarchies of deceit, fiat, and fucking incompetence that yeah. don't work and that are eroding everything around us. Whereas, um, you know, Bitcoin enables hierarchies of competence because it puts hierarchies at the um it puts the specter of economic consequence right to the throat of a hierarchy and if you fucking do not produce you fucking fall um and that is the way it should be um so you know i'd recommend that kind of stuff And, and really just going into the philosophy of um bitcoin not so much you know like yeah it's all like I mean, I, I used to have a joke, which is, you know, we're changing the world and getting rich in the process, which, which is good. You know, like, you know, we, you, you want to produce, you know, you want to have a wealthy life and you want to have choices and options. But really, and more fundamentally speaking, like, you know, Bitcoin exists to be subvertive to the existing uh, state and to the existing status quo. And, you know, for, for anyone who, you know, understands the importance of actually putting up a fight, this is the 1% that's going to make 99% of the difference. Simple as that. Like the other 99% of the stuff, we can kick, scream, talk and everything. And that's important because we must do that, but it's going to move the dial only slightly. Bitcoin will bankrupt the existing system and give us a chance to rise. And the people I want holding Bitcoin are the people listening to this show because, you know, we're the ones who need to increase our purchasing power to organize. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I, think, I, I think it's an essential you know, you're obviously, you know, you're obviously all in. I'm, I, you know, I, I become, I become pretty convinced the more, you know, the more I dig into the community and stuff like that. I try, I think we, we're at a stage where we need to be synthesizing many different ideas and conversations. And it's certain that Bitcoin 
is one of them. And I think also it's beneficial if you have a bunch of people who are perhaps not so, because people do get emotionally invested in stuff as well, right? And so I think it's beneficial if you have people as part in these dialogues, if you have people in these circles who perhaps aren't, you know, ha don't have the whole 10 year identity investment in Bitcoin and who are very much looking for solutions and looking to solve some of the same things. I think we need to have these broad conversations and, yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah, and not, and I think people are scared away just because, you know, they get too obsessive with being a sort of techie thing. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there are, there are a lot of idiots and there's a lot of noise around it as well. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, I think we do need that a sort of deep and we need to kind of integrate a lot of these conversations. So I'll, I'll share a lot of those links that you, um, you know, send me, send me the links for those articles. I'll put your Twitter. Is there anything else you'd like to, to end on in any other direction you'd like to point people in? Any final words? No, look, I, I, I think this was a really, really good conversation. I really appreciate, you know, you sort of challenging notion of some of those questions because I think, you know, pe people don't think, um, as a general rule of thumb, people don't think deeply enough in the world, you know, but, you know, they, they were actually good questions because I, I usually just get asked the dumb questions when I come on podcasts, you know, so what do you think the price is going to be? And I'm like, fucking who gives a shit, you know, that there's something more important happening here. So I appreciate you actually, you know, having the courage and, you know, the, the intellect to actually, you know, ask the deeper and more important questions because, like I said, you know, what whilst Bitcoin is a, you know, a, a monetary phenomenon, it is fundamentally um, an economic and a social societal phenomenon. That's really what it is. And, and, and yeah, it's, it's masked in the, you know, the, the technological piece, but that's just an enabler. Like fundamentally speaking, you know, Bitcoin is an economic phenomenon and economic in the, def in the, the definition that I gave at the beginning of the conversation, which is economics is time, energy, and natural resources, which permeates everything. Everything we do is an economic decision. So, so by that definition, Bitcoin is the most transformative uh, piece of the puzzle and it is the most important lever we can pull. Um, and yes, yeah, so, so, so thank you for asking the right questions, for asking the hard questions, for thinking more deeply about this and for actually, you know, putting this kind of content out, man, because like fucking, if, if we don't do it, you know, no, no one, no one else will. Appreciate that. And I appreciate all your energy as well. I really enjoyed the conversation and I hope people, Thank I hope you. people find it useful and I hope people follow these threads. I think everyone that is awake and is a doer right now needs to be, we need to be cross fertilizing ideas and we need to be cross fertilizing circles and stuff like that. So um, I hope people enjoyed it. I hope people follow, you know, follow up and cheers, Alex. Really enjoyed that. Thanks for coming. Thank you, on. my friend. Thank you, Seb. Absolutely, buddy. Cheers. Bye-bye. See you, man. Thank you for listening to that. If you enjoyed the way that I think about these issues, then you might enjoy Pith Weekly. So Pith Weekly is my blog, which I email out every Saturday morning, uh, somewhere where I share my latest thinking on metapolitics. And I also share some highlights of what I've read. I'm always digging through some really critical texts uh, in the area. Um, and it's, it's something which is um, the center point for what I'm doing. Uh, you know, the reality is we don't really know what's going to happen and what platforms people are going to be kicked off of over the next few months, whether YouTube, Twitter, whether Gab's going to take off, but that will always be there. My email will always be there. I'll always be sending my, my best thoughts out and my best learnings out every Saturday morning. So I really hope some of you subscribe. You can find the link in the description. Um, and it'd be great to, to have you as 
part of my community as a node in my network. Um, so thanks again.